Get those cowbells out. Mississippi State is your national champion of college baseball. I'm John Raw. We will talk about the Bullies' big win in Omaha on Wednesday. And NC State fans, you've got something to hold your head high about as well. We are here for the next three hours to talk about college sports, sports in general, and all of the news and goings-on of the Southeast. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show. Thank you for tuning us in on great radio stations and also in podcast form. If you get us in the iHeartRadio app or the TuneIn app, also available in Stitcher. What an easy, easy peasy thing for you to do is to find the Y'all Show each and every day and enjoy three hours of talk about the south and we're going to be talking about the south in a big way we want you to be a part of the y'all show our number is 803-816-1170 you can text or call that number 24 hours a day 803-816-1170 you can drop us an email mail m-a-i-l at y'all.com mail at y'all.com we'd love to hear from all y'all as we're talking about everything southern and we do it each and every day coming up on this thursday edition of the y'all show yes we have plenty of sports to get to we'll also fill you in on the news headlines president joe biden he's in florida today to visit the champlain tower collapse and more and more bodies unfortunately being found and it's just a tragic situation in florida we'll bring you the latest on that also some officer involved incidents going on a memphis police officer critically injured we'll let you know about that as well as other news headlines from across the southeast here as we get our Thursday show up and going. An update from UNC. Remember, UNC denied at one time journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones' tenure. And now, as as I expected, as probably many of you expected, there has been a reversal. And the lady behind the 1619 or 1602 or whatever that number is, Project Looks like she's going to be given tenure at UNC. We'll bring you the latest on that. Also, it's getting to be the 4th of July weekend. Many of you are hitting the road today, and there is at least a collaboration going on on Interstate 10 between the states of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. I'll let you know about this I-10 project, so you better slow it on down if you're there for a travel on Interstate 10. It's the One Road, One Mission on 10 project going on in the or 10 8 on 10 10 8 what 10 8 must be a, a highway sign that law enforcement uses and i apologize i'm not in law enforcement but uh, yeah be careful no matter what road you're on over this holiday extended weekend we want to make sure we all get back and also something to keep in mind a new storm forming in the atlantic it is the fifth name storm already tropical storm elsa We'll have the latest on that as well. And also, we'll let you know about Bruno the Bear. Unfortunately, Bruno has been euthanized in North Louisiana. This is a bear with quite a story, and I'll tell you about that story coming out of Louisiana, as well as a plumbing company in Mississippi has issued a be on the lookout for a stolen porta potty. What? I'll let you know as our headlines get going on this Thursday edition. And this is. Happy July, our first y'all show for the month of July 2021. So hope everybody's got their bills ready to pay if you haven't paid them already. And yeah, that's uh, the beauty of a new month is we get to turn the calendar and start fresh. But some of us have to pay bills on this first day of the month. Some of us get paid on the first day of the month. That's also a good thing 
as well. So we'll have all that. And in addition to going back and talking about college baseball, Mississippi State's big win on Wednesday at TD Ameritrade Park. We'll also give you the latest news out of the NBA. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns. They are back in the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993 when a guy named Charles Barkley was starring for them. And so it's the Suns, and they'll be taking on either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Atlanta Hawks as those two teams are still up and going with the Eastern Conference Championship of the NBA. So we'll have information on all that. Plus, the NCAA has come out with a new policy that allows student-athletes to pursue their name, image, and likeness, and they announced this on Wednesday. I'll give you what we know about this, and I'll share maybe my own thoughts about the NIL and how I think it's going to just be a really bad thing for sports and sports fans as well so that coming up here in our number one also we'll give you our sec report we'll hear from the head coach of the mississippi state bulldogs your national champions of college baseball chris lamona speaking after his team just thumped vanderbilt there in that third and deciding game from omaha we'll also hear about some sec football we're going to go to the sec network where peter burns former Auburn coach Gene Chizik and former Florida Gator Chris Doring were all talking about the SEC East for football in 2021. And I've got a clip of that that I'll be playing as we have our SEC report here in this first hour of the Y'all Show on this Thursday. Also, we got a little hashtag hullabaloo coming your way with some wonderful stuff off of social media. All that is ahead in this first hour. When we flip the script and go over to page two and two hour two of today's y'all show, we have more headlines coming in. Also, we have an entertainment report, and we're going to go to East Tennessee today with a couple of great, great entertainment-related stories. Megan Fox was born in Oak Ridge, and Megan Fox was just on the Today Show this week, and we'll let you know about her brand-new movie that's coming out this weekend, and you're going to hear some of that interview from Megan Fox on the Today Show. Also, we'll let you know about Quentin Tarantino. He is a guy born in Knoxville, and he's got some stuff going on that will fill you in on this great director, Quentin Tarantino. So East Tennessee representing. Now, this other lady that we'll hear from in today's entertainment report, she's not necessarily from West Tennessee, but her granddaddy was. We'll be hearing from Riley Keough as she was just on Jimmy Kimmel, this talented actress, talking about being trapped in the pandemic. And you're wondering, who the heck is Riley Keough? Her granddaddy would be a name that you might be familiar with. His name, Elvis Presley. And this is Lisa Marie's daughter, Riley Keough. She's an actress. She's in a great new movie. And you'll be hearing her talk about it in our entertainment report here of today's Y'all Show. Then we'll go to Nashville, and we'll get the latest in country music. In fact, we've got some old school country music news that we'll be sharing with you and i'm going to let you hear some good music from a lady that was a hit maker back in the late 1950s early 1960s she's still alive she's just announced her final album as she's into now her 80s wanda jackson a rockabilly standard from that time period wanda jackson i'll let you hear some of her news i'll let you hear the most successful single she ever put out to radio and we'll also fill you in again on this upcoming album from Wanda Jackson, the Oki, who is still out there. And man, what a what an awesome sound she had back in the day. Also, we'll let you know about some other more modern hit makers in country music making news. That's coming up in our Nashville report 
in the second hour of today's y'all show kobe bennett will be dropping by with a southern accent on southern business in that second hour and as we wrap up this y'all show for a thursday we will let you know about more sports stuff to start the third hour and then we've got the fourth of july coming up and we all know that food is a big part of that and we're going to keep the barbecue trend going here on this thursday edition we have courtesy of lawn starter that's a website that you can go check out if you want to from that site we have america's best barbecue cities and i've got the list and we're going to kind of tell you what it is and we're going to weigh in on it and if you have your own thoughts of what america's best barbecue city should be let me know it is 803-816-1170 and i'll compare your list to our list but they've got the listing of the best barbecue cities in the good old us of a lawn starter has done this and i'll share that with you as we look out for good barbecue news here on the y'all show all that ahead plus a look at festivals going on this weekend not as many this weekend since most every community around the south is going to be having some kind of fourth of july celebration whether it be a fireworks show or a baseball game or both we'll let you know though what are going to be going on the festivals across the various southern states as a part of our festive south report in hour number three that is a full show and that's why we're here to deliver full great shows here on talk with a southern accent Let's get into the news headlines here as we start off this first hour of the Y'all Show. First off, Joe Biden. He has made his way to Florida today as he is going to visit with rescue workers and survivors as well as families of those who've already been, I guess, announced deceased in the collapse of the Champlain Towers, that 12-story beachfront condo that collapsed last week, and the president and his wife, Jill, making their way to south florida today the police director of miami-dade county is freddie ramirez he said he hopes the president's visit will be a morale booster for the entire community adding that they've had several challenges from weather to sorrow to pain and that with biden's visit hopefully some unity will come from it and the community will grow together from the governor to the mayor to everybody involved now, concerns remain that there's still a standing portion of the complex that could also collapse at this site, and it appeared early on Thursday that they hadn't ended up having to pause some of the rescue efforts. During a meeting with families, the fire rescue assistant chief said officials are concerned about the stability of that certain portion of the building, but it has been just a devastating thing. 150 people, roughly, give or take a few have died or are trapped and likely could be dead if not a miracle found real soon and we're learning now more about some of the victims i think it was just announced that one of the roughly 20 that they've officially announced as deceased a vanderbilt student there at that place perhaps over the summer for summer break but the news is horrible coming out of the champlain towers collapse and today the president and first lady making their way there to visit with those affected by this just tragedy in Miami and Dade County. Four dead after a possible explosion in North Carolina, and those dead include a father and chill and three children. And this is a tragedy telling you from Lenore City. Lenore Fire Chief 
telling Fox News that firefighters discovered four deceased people inside this home in Lenore, North Carolina, and this, again, a house explosion. Authorities determined the incident to be a possible explosion due to the damage firefighters found at the scene, but firefighters not able to confirm that it was definitely an explosion or the exact cause of death of the four deceased. The pastor of family of four killed in what appears to be explosion says the family had attended his church for at least 30 years pastor saying the husband had taken wife for infusion treatments came back and house exploded killing the man his two daughters and his son that according to fox 46 i think that's out of the charlotte area and reporter robin kennedy again out of the North Carolina region in Lenore. Four people killed in what looks like a house explosion there in Lenore, North Carolina here this week. A $20,000 reward now being offered to the mother of an incoming United States Naval Academy plebe. And this plebe, his mother killed when they brought him to Annapolis for his induction into the United States Naval Academy and 57-year-old Michelle Cummings, who was from Houston, again, in the city to bring her son to check in and become a, a midshipman at the Naval Academy. And she was killed while sitting on the patio area of her hotel there in Annapolis, Maryland. And now authorities in Maryland's capital city offering a $20,000 reward after Michelle Cummings was gunned down senselessly while you could say on vacation, bringing her baby to be a midshipman at the United States Naval Academy. And I'm not sure that her son was supposed to be on the Navy football team. And in just a, a horrible way to, unfortunately, show up there to support your son and you end up losing your life. And again, a reward being offered after this mother killed. Just out on the patio of the hotel she was staying in while bringing her baby to be, and she was a proud mother, I'm sure, to bring her child to be a midshipman at the U.S. Naval Academy. Just a a senseless death there. Atlanta police officers ambushed, and an APD officer now is in stable condition, a suspect dead. According to Blues, two Atlanta Police Department officers responded to shots being fired inside the Solace on Peachtree Apartments. Officers approached with gunfire as soon as the elevator door opened on the 8th floor of this building. That is where the APD officer and 29-year-old Joseph Lee Humbles were shot. Identities of the officers involved are not being released at this time, according to police. Humbles, the suspect, died as a result of his injuries. But a Atlanta police officer, a two-year veteran of the force, is being treated at the hospital, is being heavily sedated according to reports and we hope for the best again for this officer being treated in Atlanta after he was shot and several other officers ambushed in an unfortunate incident in the city of Atlanta here this week a Memphis police officer is in critical condition after being dragged by a car while serving a subpoena cops lined the street at Alma and and this was in the North Memphis area on Wednesday as this MPD officer was dragged by a car serving a subpoena. According to the Memphis Police Department, an officer arrived there in the 700 block of Alma Street just before 1.30 on 
Wednesday afternoon and was serving this subpoena to an unidentified individual. And this officer ended up being dragged by this car as officers dragged by a 2010 Ford Fusion. We wish this officer the best there in the Memphis area. We hope he, he or she, I'm not sure what the sex of the police officer is at this point, but no name being given at the current time. But our thoughts there with the Memphis police officer as they just it's a dangerous business. Even when you're out just serving something like a subpoena, it can go awry. And in this case, a Memphis police officer in critical condition right now. Our thoughts with MPD and with this officer as well. Three states are all coming together on Interstate 10. The the Mississippi Highway Patrol, the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, and the Louisiana State Police are going to be participating in a traffic safety initiative on Interstate 10 called 10-8 on 10, One Road, One Mission. The enforcement effort begins today. So you better slow down if you're on I-10 heading east to west or west to east there along the Gulf Coast of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. According to the Mississippi Highway Patrol, troopers in their respective states will be placed statewide on I-10 to remove impaired drivers, reduce crashes, promote seatbelt usage, and to deter speeding. Again, a collaboration going on throughout this 4th of July holiday travel period to save lives along Interstate 10. I don't know how many people go east to west this weekend. I think a lot of people are going more north to south. People coming from inland states like, well, up north, but also Kentucky and Tennessee and the northern sections of Mississippi and Alabama on into Georgia. People aren't necessarily going east to west on I-10. They're going north to south to get to the beach, to get to the Gulf Coast right now. Although you might have a lot of people from, let's say, Texas heading due east trying to get to the mouse here on this extended holiday weekend. But be careful. Not only on Interstate 10 with this effort here, the 10-8 on 10, one road, one mission effort between these three law enforcement agencies of Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama. But no matter where you are, just slow it down. This is a very, very busy travel weekend, and we want to make sure all y'all make it through just fine, and we are going to be back together next week safe and sound and have lots of fun stories and lots of great food that we can Remember eating upon and watching fireworks explode here over this holiday weekend. Police also are in search of a new law, and they're thankful for a new law. And that's part of a new law in the state of Georgia. Today being July 1st, we've had several of our new laws go into effect in states around the southeast. And as of today, Cities in Georgia and counties will be blocked from sharply cutting police spending. That's one of the new laws. That is, I guess, a direct counter to the defund the police in Georgia. Hey, the state legislature there got something right. And that's what it looks like they've done here with this brand new law on the books that will prohibit cities and counties from sharply cutting police spending. A new law also on the books in the Peach State. College athletes will be able to get paid for the use of their name or image. Also in Georgia, starting today, it will be a felony to, this is a great law, it will be a felony to steal packages from three or more addresses. The good old thieves that go by and steal off your doorstep. We don't want to see that happening at all. 
and that is a new law in place in Georgia. Starting today, though, they, as I said, it's strike three, you're out. I guess your porch pirates get two strikes before they get charged with a felony, but that is a, a great law that I don't know how common porch pirate laws are, but that's just wrong when you steal stuff from your neighbors and they do it or some kind i guess some cases it's not your neighbors somebody randomly coming by and just taking it off your porch when they see that amazon box awaiting delivery or waiting pickup and not going to have that in georgia anymore you'll go to jail if you do it three times go to jail for a long time one more headline story today before we take a break Tropical Storm Elsa is now the fifth named tropical storm of the 2021 season as this storm forming over the Atlantic on Thursday morning today and is expected to cause heavy rains and may lead to isolated flash flooding and mudslides in the Caribbean. So as of now, this thing not exactly expected to come into the U.S. mainland, but it is the fifth named storm already on the 2021 calendar and It is now having sustained winds of 40 miles per hour with gusts up to that area as well. It is located hundreds of miles east, southeast, southeast of the Windward Islands. The storm is expected to pass near or over portions of the Windward Islands or the southern Leeward Islands on Friday. So keep an eye out. There's no telling where these things are going to go on, but Tropical Storm Elza now formed and something for y'all to kind of glance over occasionally on this long holiday weekend at the Weather Channel and see where this thing's going because we definitely don't want it coming to this part of the world. Just go on off, Elza. Go on off somewhere in some little portion of the ocean and just fade away. That's what we would like. Like Douglas MacArthur once said, just old soldiers never die. They just fade away. We need our tropical storms to just fade away. That would be wonderful here all right we'll take a time out come back on y'all we have got a southern sports update the latest from the nba playoffs and more on this nil as it has now passed through the ncaa's governing body and this is going to affect college athletes big time they're going to be superstars perhaps i'll let you know about that that and a whole lot more as talk with a southern accent continues After this break, you're listening to y'all. If you want to reach out to us, we welcome your input. Our number here on the Y'all Show is 803-816-1170. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So much, I don't know right from wrong. Well, that weeping. Mm-hmm. We're back on the Y'all Show. We've got an SEC report coming in the next segment, and we'll have a lot more to say about Mississippi State's big win in the College World Series as they claim the national championship of college baseball. We'll be hearing from the skipper of MSU 
and that is Chris Lamonis, as he talked in the minutes after the Diamond Dogs picked up their first national championship, the first national championship national championship in the history of Mississippi State University. All that coming up, plus some football talk from the SEC Network. That's ahead in our SEC report. But we start off this segment talking a little NBA basketball as we look at sports across the South and more. And on Wednesday, it was a huge win in the NBA Western Conference Finals. A huge win, at least if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, as the Suns dominated the Clippers 130-103. to And Phoenix moves on to the NBA Finals, their first appearance in the Finals since way back in 19. 19- 93. I remember those days. The round mound rebound was barking up a storm as the Suns nearly won an NBA title back then, but they ended up uh, falling a little short. I guess they were playing the Rockets maybe back in those days. Rockets or maybe the Bulls. No, they wouldn't have played the Rockets because they were from the same conference. I guess the Bulls must have beat them in 93 or, or somebody like that. 93 was that was the year Michael Jordan went off to play baseball. I'm I'm not sure who the Suns played at that time, but they are back in the NBA Finals. That's all you need to know. And they await either the Hawks or Bucks, but a tremendous domination there at the Staples Center on Wednesday with the Suns winning by 27. 27 points. Let's see. The fourth quarter is where they really just dominated and they bested by 13 points, the opponent in that quarter alone. But a 27-point victory for Phoenix. Congratulations. Chris Paul and company are moving on to the NBA Finals. More news out of Los Angeles. This is more from the baseball side of things. And this is good news for the Tinseltown fans. As <laughs> and, and it's really bad news if you're a New York fan. Did you hear about the rally that the Angels, LA Angels, had on Wednesday? They came back from seven, or I don't know how many runs they were down, but they scored seven runs in the ninth inning and beat the New York Yankees. Beat them 11 to 8. And it was raining, too. The game ended at one in the morning today. And again, down seven runs when Jared Walsh hit a grand slam off of Chapman in a seven-run ninth inning for the Halos, and they ended up winning by three runs against the New York Yankees. And this was a game that featured Shohei Otani as a pitcher, and he did not have the best of games in that game in the first part of the game against the Bronx Bombers, but Angels bounce back in a big way. I would think so. Seven runs in the ninth and a devastating loss on Wednesday for the New York Yankees. Other scores as we check our Major League Baseball scoreboard from Wednesday's action across baseball. I'm not sure we're going to have any other games quite top that one from a excitement standpoint, a rally standpoint. That's one of the interesting parts of baseball, since it's not on a clock, you can have those dramatic rallies happen. And you might go off and get yourself a Coke and a popcorn or maybe go to the uh, loo and get out of your seat. And before you're back in the seat, your team might be all of a sudden down in the way that we saw that happen on Wednesday in Bronx, in the Bronx. The Cardinals defeated the Diamondbacks on Wednesday 7-4. to 
Brewers topping the Cubs 15-7. to Rockies over the Pirates 6-2. It was the Nationals in an interleague battle with the Rays 15-6. to The Nats winning that one. Tigers and Indians in a seven-run, seven-inning game. Tigers topping that first game of a doubleheader on Wednesday. As I said, Angels with that victory over New York. Marlins, they got an 11-6 victory over the Phils. A, another doubleheader, or this one actually was a 10-inning game. It went to extra frames. The Mariners on top of the Blue Jays, 9-7. to Red Sox, Royals. Red Sox best the Royals, 6-2. to Padres over the Reds, 7-5 to on Wednesday. Atlanta, my goodness, absolutely destroyed the New York Mets. A much-needed win for Ozzie Albies, who hit two home runs in this game. Drove in seven runs. Atlanta beats the Mets 20-2. to Atlanta had 20 hits in this one. Orioles over the Astros 5-2 to as the Orioles sweep the Astros. This is a team that couldn't half win a couple of weeks ago, and here they are sweeping one of the best teams in baseball. That, again, explains how baseball is a rather unusual sport. White Sox 13-3 to over the Twins. Athletics over the Rangers 3-1. to And in that second of two between the Indians and Tigers, Detroit wins the late one over the Tribe 7-1. to As Cabrera hit his 494th homer and the Tigers able to sweep a doubleheader in Cleveland on Wednesday. And that's a quick look of things going on from a Major League Baseball standpoint. Now the NCAA on Wednesday has cleared student-athletes to pursue name, image, and likeness deals. The board of directors of the NCAA deciding to officially suspend the organization's rules prohibiting athletes from selling the rights to their name, image, and likeness. The new rules represent a tremendous shift in how the NCAAs they define a amateurism a shift that NCAA leaders previously believed was antithetical to the nature of college sports, which I agree at the time, and now they've just surrendered. They have absolutely surrendered. Here's my big problem with NIL, name, image, likeness. It just makes what wasn't fair even more unfair. It's not going to be fair on a certain team. You're going to have players now become stars in their local communities. They're going to be asked to do all this stuff, and they're going to get paid. And if you're, let's just say, hmm, just a offensive lineman, you're never going to get asked to do these kind of deals. It's just not good. It is not a fair, equitable type thing, and it's going to make players on teams compete against each other for, I guess, for the bling. And I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how we've reached this point in NCAA. Not this is not pros. I'm not worried about grown men or grown women that might miss out on some endorsement deals. We're talking kids who should be having to worry about more important things like their school instead of worrying about that kind of mm, what kind of logo am I going to be sporting here this week that I'm going to get paid for when I'm out here repping my school that's given me a free education it just sets itself up for a very unfair part of sports that we don't need and I hope it crashes and burns very soon that's how I feel I'm sure many of you don't feel that way. I also thought I'd never see the day that we would have betting as part of a lot of this stuff and your companies that show up on all of these games now, these national companies that are all about betting, sports betting, and even some of that goes into college sports too. 
I just don't understand. Just call me a dinosaur, I guess. We'll take a break here on the Y'all Show. We will come right back. And when we come back, we're going to have the latest from the Southeastern Conference as there is a new national champion from the SEC. We'll let you know about Mississippi State's big win over, unfortunately for the SEC, another SEC team had to take one on the chin with the Mississippi State Bulldog victory in Omaha. That's coming up here as we continue on with Talk with a Southern Accent. Fight, 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 Mississippi State. Dang right. We're back on the Y'all Show. Get your cowbells out, Bulldog fans. You are national champions for the very first time in any sport. How about you? Starkville, Octiba Hall County, and the Golden Triangle, and the rest of the Magnolia State. You got a national champion in Mississippi State's baseball team as they came back in the college world series and on wednesday they got a huge nine to zero victory over vandy in the game three deciding game of the college world series finals and chris lamonis and company are your national champions of college baseball but we also want to give a special recognition to nc state as nc state is in our world a co-champion of college baseball because they kind of got Ah, they got screwed. That's what happened to them as they were forced to leave the College World Series because of positive coronavirus tests and going on within their baseball team. But it's all on Mississippi State today as they got the big victory over Vanderbilt, and it wasn't even close. MSU jumped out on front. Kumar Rocker was pitching for Vandy, and MSU was able to play small ball, and they were able to not have the most glorious of hits to get some runs on the board early. Vanderbilt had way too many mistakes. They've had errors in just about every game, and they had multiple errors on the game on Wednesday at Omaha. And MSU in the entire College World Series never had one error. A very sound ball club. And when you play that good, you walk away with a 9-0 deciding game three victory. And Mississippi State... Ring, 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 ring them cowbells. Even Chris Lamonis, the coach, had his cowbell out as MSU got that victory and bring back a natty to the Mississippi area. To the Magnolia State has its second national champion in just over a month and a half. This is a state that has never had a national champion in any kind of team sport until the Mississippi Landsharks Women's golf team picked up a national championship back at the end of May. And here we are a month later, that hated rival in the SEC of the team in Oxford. That team in Stark Vegas, they get a team championship, the first in the history of Mississippi State University. Stephen D. Lee is shining down on you, Bulldog fans. You are a national champion in college baseball. And... We're going to go now here. Chris Lamonis, head coach of MSU. This was his second full season leading this ball club. 
and he's done something that Ron Polk didn't, could not do, John Cohen could not do, and the other baseball giants at Mississippi State, from Will Clark to Rafael Palmero, Palmero there in the stands in Omaha, that was good to see. And the other, Papelbon, he was there also. He even had Dak Prescott. I don't think he played baseball at Mississippi State, but he was there supporting his team. And uh, I'm going to let me let me brag on Mississippi State even more, but I'm going to do it after we hear from the head coach. Chris Lamonis, a guy that I saw play collegiately first base when he was in college for a team that went to the World Series when he was a team member of this team, the Citadel Bulldogs. Lamonis, the Citadel man, now leading his baseball team in college now coaching for the Mississippi State Bulldogs to a national championship. Here is the 50-something-year-old coach of Mississippi State University. What an awesome night. Um, our kids played as free as you could be on the biggest stage, from the pitching to the defense to the grind of having to be one of the best pitchers in college baseball history and the defending champions. Um, so proud of them. And it's <clears throat> so awesome to bring that – bring back the trophy to Starkville. It's just um, our community and how much they love their baseball. It's just, uh, it's pretty special. And um, we just have, we have a great administration here. John Cohen, our AD, um, he's a big part of this and everything that he does and everything that he's done in the past. Um, I, I want to always reach out to Coach Polk because Coach Polk is uh, the one who built this and started it. You know, we run out there and play in front of those big crowds, but Apoki was a big reason why, and all our former players, too. Um, it's just this is a lot of years in the making and um, a lot of fun, and I know our fans will enjoy this. I've only been here three years, but um, it's just a special place, and it's – I mean, I haven't even been able to walk down the street for the last four days. I have to stay in my room because our fans have taken over the city, and um, the expectations and all the great players for years after years that have played here, um, to bring home the trophy is just – it's just awesome. I mean, I know it's simple words, but <clears throat> um, and, and Jake Mangum, you know, he's a big part of this. You know, almost every player who put on the maroon and white, they have a piece of this trophy tonight because it's been built over years. Um, <clears throat> like I said earlier, Coach Polk built this many years ago, and um, fortunately we're able to capitalize on it tonight. Chris Lamonis, head coach of Mississippi State, as the Diamond Dogs pick up the university's very first national championship in a team sport at least, and way to go, Bulldog fans. And let me take a moment to say way to go, Bulldog fans. You earned this thing. Mississippi State has been putting baseball as a priority for a long, long time. From their left field lounge there at Polk Dement Stadium, Duty Noble Field, to the incredible baseball radio network with Jim Ellis that we bragged on earlier this week to their great support of great players throughout the years. Ron Polk, you heard Lamonis talking about this veteran coach. He was in the stands there. Ron Polk coached this team to the World Series more than once. This guy eats, breathes, sleeps baseball. He actually, when he left Mississippi State, volunteered for a number of years. Volunteered to be an assistant coach at UAB. And now Polk is back in Starkville and is sometimes on the radio network for Mississippi State. This guy has devoted his whole life to baseball. And I have actually worked with Ron Polk before on some baseball radio shows. And the guy 
was always just so nice, but always available to talk college baseball. And oftentimes loves to talk about how college baseball has been screwed over by the NCAA, and it has from a scholarship standpoint. It certainly has been. And so I was happy to see Ron Polk there and see this team, this program that he once coached, get a national championship. And as I said, I went to college. I saw Chris Lamonis in action as a young man, and to see him now coaching this team to a national championship is pretty pretty special. And he's a great guy. He, he's a. I remember watching the press conference when Lamonis was hired to coach MSU after he'd been at Indiana. And a word that Chris Lamonis loves to use is grinder. He loves grinders. He loves those guys like Rowdy, who probably were under the radar and not really recruited heavily by other colleges or even to go to the professional level. And he loves to find those kind of grinder players and make them superstars, and he's done that. And he's got a national championship. And I also want to brag on Mississippi State. I'm a guy that's got a degree from that other college in the state of Mississippi, the hated rival, the one 95 miles up the road in Lafayette County. And so this should mean a little bit more. Bulldog fans, when I tell you, you did incredible. You deserve every bit of the praise of what's happening right now for Mississippi State. You showed up in Omaha. You dominated. That was just like, I would say it was better than Davis Wade Stadium. (laughs) It was loud. I didn't hear too many cowbells, but the maroon and white cheers and all the maroon period in the stands – and I knew it would be like that. I mean, this was a big deal for Mississippi State to have a chance to win a national championship. And they came through. And you deserve it. And I hope somewhere in Mississippi today they should copy what South Carolina does. When there's a national championship, when there's a national champion crowned in the Palmetto State, at the state capitol in Columbia the day after that championship, they raise that school's flag on top of the state house. And it only flies for one day. And so we've seen the Clemson flag fly a couple of times. We've seen the Gamecock flag fly when they won the College World Series in back-to-back years. We saw Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers flag, fly high in Columbia when they won the College World Series. But it's also flown for women's basketball when the Gamecocks won that one a couple of years ago. And I'd love to see in Jackson, Mississippi today, a maroon and white bulldog flag flying high and it would look better than that darn monstrosity of a state flag they've come up with here in 2021. And uh, and fly it high and fly it proud, Bulldog fans. You're a national champion. Way to go. Now, go to hell, Mississippi State. Just kidding. Uh, way to go, Mississippi State. You, 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 can, you, can, uh, you can hold your head up high and ring them cowbells too another baseball related story coming out before we move over to some football news it was announced on wednesday the official hiring of jay johnson as the new head coach of lsu and he showed up in baton rouge for a little press conference i think i've got some audio i can play a portion of here is the new coach of the bayou Bengals as he comes to baton rouge from arizona where he had led the arizona wildcats to a couple of college world series appearances and here is the new skipper of this baseball dynasty maybe having to compete a little bit harder now with dynasties like mississippi state here's jay johnson do it as well as uh, coach o but go tigers <laughs> start this thing off right that was the only thing that we need to say to start this thing off 
I'm honored to be here. I'm incredibly humbled to be here. And when I think about the 44 years of my entire life, I really believe every day has led me to this podium right now, to this program, and it's beyond a dream come true. I didn't come here for any other reason because this doesn't come along but one time in your life. And I view this opportunity to be the head baseball coach at LSU as the opportunity of my lifetime. And again, that is the brand new baseball coach of the LSU Tigers, Jay Johnson, a California native now in the Deep South coaching the Bayou Bengal baseball team. We wish him all the best. A reminder, we're now in the month of July, and we're just days away from the SEC football media days. That will be back at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, and that takes place July 19th through the 22nd. A look at the first day of coaches appearing as we have three coaches on that opening day. Dan Mullen of Florida, Ed Orgeron of the LSU Tigers, and the new coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, all at the mic on opening day, July 19th of the SEC Football Media Days. On the next day, July 20th, Kirby Smart is going to be joined at the mic that day by the coach of the Wildcats, Mark Stoops, Lane Kiffin of Mississippi, and the new coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, Josh Heupel, all together on July 20th. On July 21st, it's Nick Saban of the national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. He'll be followed that day by Mike Leach of Mississippi State, Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M, and the new football coach at Vanderbilt University, Clark Lee. That's all July 21st. And then on the final day of SEC Football Media Days in Hoover, you've got three coaches at the podium that day. Arkansas coach Sam Pittman, Brian Harson, the new coach of the Auburn Tigers, and Eli Drinkwitz of Mizzou. Those, your 14 coaches and their schedule for the SEC Football Media Days. And that's coming up a lot sooner than you might want to think. It's coming up less than, what, three weeks away? As it starts on a Monday, July 19th, Monday through Thursday, is the schedule there back in Hoover after spending a few years in Atlanta. And then last year it was all virtual and not quite as fun when that goes virtual. How about the tattoo that the SEC Network's out there putting out on their official Twitter account, at SEC Network? They are talking about LSU football player Derek Stingley Jr. And number seven there in purple and gold with an image that he put out this week. And that image of him includes his, it looks like, new tattoo. And this is a bold statement coming from Stingley. Derek Stingley Jr., the talented defensive playmaker he's got a tattoo on the back side of his right arm that includes the word letters dbu he's got that stenciled in and what looks like blood but it's i think a tattoo dbu which means defensive back university essentially saying lsu is the home of great defensive back a bold statement if that's not a photoshop deal and that's a real deal Pretty bold statement by Derek Stingley Jr. of the LSU Tiger football team. That's part of the fun of college sports here, y'all. That's why we love it. The the fans, the, the, the kind of taunting. And going back to college baseball, another reason we love college sports is Vanderbilt. And I don't want to take anything away from Tim Corbin's ball club. They've had a tremendous season. But did you see what happened when Vanderbilt lost Wednesday? Their players cried. 
And you don't have crying baseball players or crying football players at the professional level. You do at the college level. It means more. The SEC makes a habit of saying that. But it truly means more. You cry when you lose a high school game or a college game that matters, maybe a championship. You cry, especially if it's your last game. When you're a pro player, you don't typically cry. And so I saw that and I said, I need to make sure that I bring that up. Part of the reason we love our college sports and definitely a reason why we love our SEC sports here in the Southeast. So, yeah, we're just days away from the SEC football media days. Get ready for the fun. Also, Texas A&M's all have a very good season. They're scheduled to do just that this year. And Olin Buchanan is a writer at texags.com, and he has an article up, 10 Reasons Why Texas A&M Football Can Win a Title in the Next Three Years. And I'm going to tell you just a couple of these standpoints. One is A&M returns nine defensive starters. That makes a huge difference in the Aggies' quest to win a national title. Also, they've got Isaiah Spiller. The last national champions have had at least one running back that rushed for 1,000 yards. Isaiah Spiller can do just that for the Aggies when he's back on the field here pretty soon. Another thing that can help out is what Jimbo Fisher can do with first-year starting quarterbacks. And and A&M is going to have to come in with a replacement for Mon this year. And Fisher at least has a history of developing really, really good players. And one of the other bullet points that Buchanan writes about is Jimbo Fisher himself. The guy has already won a national championship. And sure enough, A&M, according to writer Olin Buchanan of TexAgs.com, there are multiple reasons why A&M should be able to win a national title in just the next three years. If you want to read it, it's at texags.com. Well worth it. We'll take a break here on Y'all Come Right Back with a quick look at social media fun. It's hashtag hullabaloo, and that'll wrap up this first hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. Stay tuned. Also, later in the show, we're going to have more SEC talk. We'll be hearing from a couple of guys with the SEC Network as they talk about the SEC East here in 2021. So I want to give that a little plug as we roll on with more of Talk with a Southern Accent. All right, we're going to close out this first hour of our three-hour y'all show fun with a little fun from social media. This is what we call hashtag hullabaloo, and Lee St. John is a humor writer. Lee St. John author is the Twitter account, and Lee puts out on social media a little image that I want to share with you. Lee is a retired teacher, and one of my favorite things in the world, Lee is a schnauzer owner. Love that. Also, is a columnist and likes to have fun, as I said. Lee St. John. And Lee St. John's got a picture of the Last Supper, but this is a different picture from what I remember growing up in Sunday school. This picture of the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples has a caption, if Southern ladies had been in charge of the Last Supper. (laughs) And the image that I'm looking at here that Lee St. John has attached also includes Lee's commentary, y'all eat up, you hear? But the image of Jesus and the disciples there with the Last Supper has, yeah, of course, Jesus and the disciples, but they're in the foreground. 
are about 300 different potluck options and also some finger food options there, kind of what you might see there at a good old Southern church grounds there, maybe for homecoming or decoration day or whatever you might see. But yeah, a little bit of a Photoshop fun there with the Last Supper illustration of Jesus and the Last Supper. But what if that Last Supper did have all that potluck stuff that this image has? It'd be Y'all, it'd be hilarious. Y'all eat up, you hear? Lee St. John, thank you for sharing with that. We always need a good laugh here on the Y'all Show. When we come back, we will have another hour of talk with a Southern accent. Stay tuned. We've got entertainment news. Megan Fox has a new movie. Riley Kehoe, the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. She's got a new little film that we'll be talking to you about. That plus Wanda Jackson, country and rockabilly hit maker. We're going to tell you about an album she's working on. That's ahead in hour two. That is the way you can get in touch with the show all about the South. Text or call 803-816-1170. If you got something to say, we want to hear from you guys. I'm John Rawl, General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. And we are here to tell you about what's going on from the news standpoint of the South, the entertainment standpoint, the business side of things. In fact, we're going to get all of those covered here in hour number two. We've got more headlines President Joe Biden in Florida today to visit the Champlain Towers collapse there in Miami-Dade. That's coming up. More info on that. We'll also have some fun stuff from the headlines of the South here on this Thursday edition. We've got entertainment news. I'm going to tell you about Riley Kehoe, the granddaughter of Elvis. She was recently on Jimmy Kimmel. And I've got some audio of that interview that we'll be sharing about how she was trapped in the pandemic and how she survived all of that. Plus, we'll let you know about a couple of East Tennesseans that are involved in the movie-making business. Megan Fox and Quentin Tarantino, an update on them. As I know, Megan's got a brand-new movie that she's out, and she was on the Today Show this weekend. I don't know if you saw it. She got photobombed during her interview with the ladies on the Today Show as her kids started climbing around on furniture in the background. Pretty funny stuff, and you'll be able to hear Megan Fox's reaction to that when we have our entertainment report later this hour. Also, we're going to go to Nashville for all of the country music fun, and we'll do that and let you know about Alan Jackson, a concert that he just had back in his home area in Georgia, raised $2 million for tornado-damaged victims. That's coming up. We'll also let you know about another Jackson, not Alan Jackson, but Wanda Jackson. Wanda Jackson, a country music legend, has just announced her final album, Encore, and I'm going to play the most famous of Wanda Jackson's songs from 1960, In the Middle of a Heartache. I'm going to play that to open up the country music coverage in the segment that's forthcoming on the Y'all Show, plus Vince Gill donating Roy Acuff's prize fiddle to the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'll let you know how that happened. Plus, Blake Shelton news. Blake Shelton showing up in his native Oklahoma and kind of doing his own photo bomb, if you will. I'll let you know about that. Plus, Laura Lauren Elena is going to put out a new book, and I'll let you know about this talented North Georgian when we get to our country music news later in this hour. And then Kobe Bennett is going to have a southern accent on southern business. 
before the hour is up. All right here on the Y'all Show. And if I get time, either this hour or next, I'm going to go off on people wearing jeans and their pants down around their knees. That's just ridiculous. I'm still trying to get over a sight I saw earlier today of somebody with their pants falling down, and they thought it was cool. And I didn't think it was so cool. So if I get a chance, I'll weigh in on people wearing pants the wrong way. Maybe we need to take some time out this holiday weekend and have a pants-wearing tutorial. Who wants to sign up for that one? (laughs) Okay, let me tell you, let's put on our pants and get ready big for this, the second hour of the Y'all Show, and let's get back into the headlines. President Joe Biden making his way to Florida today to visit the Champlain Towers collapse. He and First Lady Jill Biden in Florida today to visit with survivors, to visit with family members who've lost loved ones in this collapse, as well as meet with the officials, the elected officials, and more as this devastating accident from Thursday of last week lingers here this week with still roughly 140 now unaccounted for. 145 to be specific is the total count, and we've seen roughly 20 people thus far pronounced dead as a result of this condominium collapse in Miami-Dade and the president heading there today to help hopefully bring comfort and give a morale boost if nothing else it's what a lot of people are saying that his presence will be doing there and that is what is the presidential duty is you don't always show up when times are good you show up when times are are rough and right now for a lot of people it's rather rough Four dead in North Carolina after a possible explosion there at a home in Lenore, North Carolina. It looks like all members of the same family, a father and three children, reported to be dead. The Lenore, North Carolina fire chief, Kenneth Hare, saying that firefighters discovered the four deceased people inside a home in Lenore and that a home endured fire damage on the main level and minimal fire damage in the attic and basement after an, an explosion of some sort, according to Again, Chief Hare of Lenore, North Carolina's fire department. Hare said authorities determined the incident to be a possible explosion due to the damage that the firefighters found at the scene, but he could not confirm that it was definitely an explosion or the exact cause of death of the four deceased people. According to a Charlotte-area TV station, the family pastor said that the four killed appear to be this family that attended his church for at least 30 years. The pastor said the husband had taken his wife for infusion treatments, came back, and the house exploded, killing the man, his two daughters, and his son. Unfortunate news, again, out of North Carolina. Four people dead with an explosion here this week. Also want to let you know about in Memphis, a police officer in the Memphis Police Department was dragged on Wednesday, dragged by a car, and is now in critical condition, dragged while serving a subpoena in North Memphis. 700 block of Alma Street is where this happened on Wednesday afternoon as this MPD official serving a subpoena to an unidentified individual. And now his life is on the line. We hope the best for this Memphis police officer. Also in Atlanta, an ambush there as police officers of the Atlanta Police Department were ambushed while going into a home or apartment building 
off of, let's see, it happened in Atlanta at the Solace on Peachtree Apartments. That's where it happened. And officers responded to a shots fire call. They went in there and were immediately approached with gunfire as soon as an elevator door opened on the eighth floor of this Solace on Peachtree Apartments. And now one APD officer shot. We wish that officer all the best. And others were injured during this ambush in Atlanta on Wednesday. We also want to let you know here as we cover the news of the South and more, we've got a tropical storm forming in the Atlantic. This is the fifth named storm of the season. And we're just now one month into the hurricane season for 2021. Elsa is the name of this tropical storm. It is the earliest fifth named storm on record beating out last year's Eduardo, which was formed on July 6th. Elsa had maximum sustained winds of 40 miles per hour with higher gust and right now around 800 miles east southeast of the windward islands that according to the national hurricane center still days away from a possible landfall that would affect any portion of the southeast and we just hope this thing ultimately finds a alley to shoot through and goes off somewhere deep into the ocean and kind of does its thing and falls apart that's what we can all hope for right let's let's hope that happens as expected an update from the university of north carolina as trustees at unc have now reversed course as expected and they've given tenure to nicole hannah hyphen jones this is the woman behind the 1619 project and now they're giving tenure to her trustees approving tenure Wednesday for this Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist. And that follows where she was denied tenure a few weeks ago. Now the board at UNC voting to accept the tenure application at a special meeting that included a closed-door session that had sparked a protest of supporters of this woman. At one point, a student said she was mishandled by a campus police officer trying to get her out of the ballroom where the meeting was being held. But Nicole Hannah Jones, Nicole hyphen Hannah Jones, Nicole Hannah hyphen Jones, a woman who won a Pulitzer Prize for her work in the New York Times 1619 project, which focuses on America's history of slavery, joining UNC's journalism school faculty. She is going to take up the night chair in race and investigative journalism with a five-year contract. I don't know why she's even getting tenure. Has she been on the faculty already? Normally, tenure is given to someone who's worked at a school for a number of years. I, I don't, I'm not really sure why this is even a possibility, but remember, she was denied, and people lost their mind over her getting denied this. And I don't think she's been on the faculty there. I, I guess they're giving her tenure as a reward for being there for this five-year period. Confusing thing, but I knew when they were, this denial happened about a month ago, that wasn't going to sit well. Uh, and, and that's not how liberals... Liberals don't take no for an answer. Let's just be honest. I don't mean to get too political here, but liberals don't take no, and they don't follow rules. They will do everything they can to ultimately win. And you got to give, if you're a conservative, give them credit on that one. They don't give up. They will, they, 
they just they just fight, fight, fight. And that's what happened here. Liberals got behind this decision after UNC denied tenure. And now Nicole Hannah-Jones is getting tenure at UNC. More to that. I need to read more of the fine line of what that's all about. But I don't want to do it now. I don't want to bore you anymore with higher education news from the University of North Carolina. Now, I do want to bore you with fraud. And we warned you with Jerry Short. He was on here just a few weeks back telling you about these PPP loans and how you can go right now searching on different uh, websites and see who all got PPP loans as people and businesses were able to apply and get federal assistance in 2020 after the coronavirus hit. And you have these databases that you can search your zip code and find out who in your community got all these government money loans and stuff. Well, it looks like in Alabama, a company got a $10 million PPP loan, and now they're out of business. The Colbert County Freight Car America factory got $10 million in federal paycheck protection program money, and now they're in the shoals of Alabama, Muscle Shoals area. This factory, they got a $10 million PPP loan, it's out of business. It is out of business. One person who worked at this plant for seven years says that when a Mexican plant opened, we were told at the beginning they would just be helping shoals and making parts for the trains, but the whole time it was a setup, we were gone. Hmm, Mexico comes and bites them in the bosom, it sounds like. This is in Cherokee, Alabama, in northwest Alabama is where this plant is located. As this Freight Car America shifted production to Mexico, it was a 120-year-old uh, company. This Cherokee, Alabama plant was its last American facility. And now it looks like they've gone south of the border and they've done it with $10 million extra dollars in their pocket, which is probably about a billion pesos worth of PPP loan money, something Something's fishy there, y'all. What do you think there? Go look them up. The Colbert County location of Freight Car America. And they have laid off their great Alabama employees at their facility there in Cherokee, Alabama. And they took $10 million with them as they snuck across the border. Hmm. Unfortunate news, if you're a fan of scouting, Both the Boy Scouts of America and Girl Scouts are having huge declines in their membership. I didn't realize the Girl Scouts would be suffering. The Boy Scouts, yes, I could see that one coming. And a lot of it was because of their own idiocy. Yes, the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts alike, though, both have had unbelievable drops of members in the last year, partly because of the pandemic, but partly due to social trends that have been shrinking their membership ranks for a long time. Membership for the Boy Scouts flagship program Cub Scouts and the traditional Boy Scout program, which is now called Scouts BSA, which allows girls in, by the way, membership dropped from 1.97 million two years ago to 1.1. So that's, what, 800,000 less Boy Scouts? That's a 43% drop in membership 
in Cub Scouts and the scout program for boys 10 and a half to 18. Now court records showing Boy Scout membership at 762,000 nationwide. The Girl Scouts say their membership has fallen nearly 30%. Girl Scout membership was 1.4 million back in 2019, and now 2020 is just at a million. A million. And I love Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm proud to be an Eagle Scout. I can't say much for Girl Scouts because I'm I'm not a Girl Scout. Never been involved with Girl Scouts. But it's a fine program too. But the Boy Scouts, I know, was a great program. And they have absolutely lost their mind from the national leadership standpoint over the last couple of years. And that's why the Mormon Church, for example, has pulled out of Boy Scouts. I think the Mormon Church alone probably is the biggest drop in membership because, and I'm not Mormon, but I do believe the Mormon Church used Boy Scouts oftentimes as their youth program in their, not churches, I forgot what they called a church in the Mormon Church, uh, wards. The, in their wards, I think that's what it's called. Doesn't help when you tick off a large number of, of scouting in the, in the Mormon Church. And you know what? There are some great Boy Scouts that have been from the Mormon church through the years. They almost, in some ways, was the uh, they were the base of the Boy Scouts because of the traditional base that Latter-day Saints believe in and, and all that. I guess I'm a Mormon at heart. <laughs> but unfortunately, Boy Scouts nationwide, not just in the Mormon church, they, they've just really struggled. And then you, here you have the pandemic and, and then Boy Scouts becoming woke. It, I could see where these numbers come from. And frankly, sadly, I see them going down even more. And I hate to hear Girl Scouts also suffering too. Heck, I don't even remember in the last year having a Girl Scout come knock on my door trying to sell me Girl Scout cookies. That's not a good thing. We need we need our boys and Girl Scouts, and we need them to get back to the, the way it was, y'all. How about Bruno the Bear? This is a bear that was spotted in a bunch of different states. It's a 240-pound male bear. And unfortunately, this week in Louisiana, it had to be euthanized. This bear got a lot of social media attention because it was wandering around in the Midwest, and it ultimately got to Louisiana somehow. And this week in Louisiana, it was hit by a vehicle, and the 240-pound black bear had to be euthanized, sadly, in North Louisiana. Biologists estimated that Bruno had been injured about a month before a homeowner in Morehouse Parish which is on the Arkansas line in northeastern Louisiana, called the department saying a bear wouldn't leave the yard. And that's when LWWF, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, when they came out, they discovered Bruno the bear in distress with catastrophic injuries, and therefore it had to be euthanized. Now this bear, get this, it had been on an 800-mile trek into north Louisiana. This bear evidently did not get help getting to Louisiana. It had traveled and had been spotted, the same bear, in Wisconsin, in Illinois, in Iowa. It swam the Mississippi River four times. It got cornered between two interstates and drew a crowd of hundreds there in a St. Louis suburb last year. And it kept on swimming and kept on coming south and ultimately found its way into Louisiana and unfortunately was hit by a car at some point. 
Did you realize a bear would go all the way from Wisconsin to Louisiana in the course of just over a year? My goodness, if a if a black bear could do that, we just might be seeing if global warming is really a, a real deal. <laughs> we might just start seeing polar bears showing up here in the south pretty darn soon. Now, that would be really scary because they, they come after you and they eat you, unlike, I think, uh, the good black bears of the southland. So, yeah, Bruno, unfortunately, has come to an end in Louisiana this week. When we come back, we've got an entertainment report. Megan Fox, Quentin Tarantino, and more Hollywood news from a southern angle. That's coming up here on Talk with a Southern Accent. on y'all and ruby a real gem let me tell you about another real gem that's a southern girl we're talking about megan denise y'all know who megan denise is megan denise fox aka megan fox who is a fox (laughs) for sure the 35 year old actress born in oak ridge tennessee she spent her early childhood uh, childhood in rockwood tennessee her father a parole officer her mother Divorce her dad when she was three years old and her mother later remarried. And Fox and her sister were raised by her mother and her stepfather. And they were raised very strictly Pentecostal. But later, Megan Fox attended a Catholic school for about 12 years and ended up learning to dance and do drama in Kingston, Tennessee. Ultimately, when she was 10 years old, Megan Fox moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. And then she began modeling and more. She ended up going to L.A. at some point in her teenage years, and the rest is history. She got her breakout role in 2001 in the romantic comedy Holiday in the Sun. Megan Fox, an East Tennessean who also claims Florida as well, with so many roles through the years, 20 years now acting, and one of the most beautiful actresses out there and she's got a new film that she's promoting till death she plays the role of emma and this week megan fox is making the media rounds we couldn't get her book for this y'all show today but we're going to tell you about megan fox in this role it's a horror film till death and she's out promoting it this week she was on the today show this week with hoda 
and uh, Lauren Bush, I guess, was on there as well. And she was promoting this movie when she had a couple of guest appearances there in the video. Her sons, Noah and Body, and also she's got a four-year-old journey. So she's got three boys, eight, seven, and four, and they appeared during this interview with Savannah Guthrie. Jenna Bush, I guess Hoda wasn't here for this particular Today Show interview, but let's go in and now hear a little bit more about the new movie Till Death with Megan Fox, and also during the interview you'll get her talking about her three boys. How about that? The mother of three, 35-year-old actress Megan Fox now on the Y'all Show. Before we get to the movie, I hear you're a big reader like Jenna. Do you belong to the Jenna Book Club? You, you're, um, you could be a member. I could be a member. I do prefer to read over any other form of like entertainment. I don't watch a lot of television or never on my phone. So I do, I do sort of get consumed with books. What's your favorite book, Jenna? Well, that's a hard one, but I just recommended today. There's this great book called Hell of a Book. I, we saw a little. We saw one of your children running in the background. So I'm sorry that this is the title, but it's so <laughs> brilliant. I'll send you a copy if you're if you're interested. It's by Jason Mott. It's really good. Great. Okay, yeah. first of all, where are you? We see a lot of pillows, some clothes. What's going on here? And we saw a little kid like sneak, trying to be sneaky, thinking they were Falling out of the shot. in the background. Yeah, here comes another one right now. Wait, there he goes. <laughs> oh, there, there, there we go. Yes. Um, Journey, you gotta crawl. You gotta crawl. Hi. Go. Hi. <laughs> uh, they uh, they just woke up. It's it's what is it seven seven thirty here? So they woke up a few minutes ago, and it just is what it is. Like yeah, we just have to make it work. Um, but I'm in the house that we're staying in for right now. This is the living room area, and they all fell asleep on the couch last night watching oh. a movie. Oh. But so not your movie, because till death, let me tell you, we watched the trailer. Yes, we were terrified. I had nightmares. Do you love the horror genre? <laughs> oh my gosh, look, we get. Oh sorry, your baby's going by again. There he goes. <laughs> Um, do I prefer the horror genre? Yeah, do you Was like that it? I, <laughs> he's going to crawl over on his side. <laughs> we can't help. I do, I do prefer not just straight. <laughs> There's three of them. So you're going to see like all the, yeah, we, like, we love it. <laughs> um, I prefer like a co- comedy infused with the, the thriller element or the horror element. That's what Jennifer's body was. That would probably be the blueprint for me of my, my favorite projects thus far. And, and this movie is a psychological thriller and there are some horror elements, but I also think it's hilarious. I don't know if everyone else will agree, but when I read the script, I was like, God, this is a really funny premise. Um, but it is, uh, it is kind of dark, I guess. I, I do prefer those movies though. Yeah. So it is about, all right. That is Megan Fox being interviewed this week on the today show, the Oak Ridge girl, Megan Fox and till death is the brand new movie that she stars in. Sounds like it is a rather scary one. So, be advised when you go into the theater. You better have somebody you can snuggle up with if you're like me and a little bit of a, a scaredy cat. Quentin Tarantino, he was born just down the road from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. He is a Knoxville native, the 58-year-old director and screenwriter and actor. Quentin Tarantino, you know him from Pulp Fiction and some of the other crazy movies that he's done throughout the years. And just an unusual guy, but much needed unusual because you know a Quentin Tarantino movie when you see him. And now, an article out that Quentin Tarantino's last movie is now a novel. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a book. Two years after it came out from Tarantino, you can go check out 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The tagline of the book, Hollywood 1969, you should have been there. And it's out. It's a 400-page book that follows much of the movie's dialogue and screenplay, but it also features new elements. The movie's ending, which Leonardo DiCaprio starred in as Rick Dalton, in the movie's ending, Rick Dalton faces the Manson family, and now that's in the beginning of the book. Tarantino also delves deeper into Manson and his life and expands the story to explore more of the scene in L.A. at that time. HarperCollins is publishing this book. It describes it as Quentin Tarantino's long-awaited first work of fiction, at once hilarious, delicious, and brutal, is the always surprising, sometimes shocking new novel based on his Academy Award-winning film. Again, it's now in print. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I I didn't see the movie. Maybe I should go pick up the book. I think I'll just get the movie. Maybe that sounds like the perfect 4th of July fun for a lot of you out there is to go see this crazy book. I didn't realize it had won, as it just said here, an Academy Award. Way to go, Knoxville native Quentin Tarantino. Looking for more from him. In fact, let me see what he's got planned here. If I can pull this up. Mm, That was his last movie. I don't see him working on anything at this current time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, with a $374 million gross back when it came out in 2019. Before that one, you had The Hateful Eight, Django Unchained in 2012. So he comes out with movies about every three to four years and loving a lot of his work. His first movie, by the way, was 1992's Reservoir Dogs. And Pulp Fiction was that one in 94 that was, I'm still having to think about that one every time I see people like Samuel L. Jackson and more. <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Uh, yeah, just creepy, creepy, but but funny too. I mean, he, he he's a heck of a director, Quentin Tarantino. Let me tell you about another lady that's got a connection to the great state of Tennessee. That's Riley Keough. She is the granddaughter of one Elvis Presley, and she is an actress. And she's now starring in a new movie, Zola. And that is out right now or about to come out. And Riley Keough is in that alongside actress Taylor Page. Zola out. And it is getting a lot of attention. And it is available for you to see. Stephanie is the role played by Riley Kehoe. Riley Kehoe is Lisa Marie's daughter. Riley is 32 years old. She's the daughter of Lisa Marie and Danny Kehoe. And, of course, her grandmama is Priscilla Presley, her granddaddy, the great Elvis Presley. And she has been pretty active in filmmaking for a number of years. She's even gotten awards. She won a Gracie Award for the role that she had in acting in a lead role in The Girlfriend Experience. That was one of the things that she's been an award-winning actress for. She's also been nominated for a lot of other acting roles that she's had, but she's been a model, been in film and more, and she's got this hot new movie that's coming out. She's married. Her, She's married to Ben Peterson. 
And again, an actress, Riley Kehoe. Her last name is spelled K-E-O-U-G-H. And she's promoting this new movie called Zola. And Riley Kehoe was just interviewed on Kimmel this week. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was. No, let's see here. She was on Late Show. I get some of these. Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having a late night talk show freeze because, frankly, I don't watch a lot of these shows. So I've got a clip of her on one of these NBC shows talking, and she talks about being trapped in the pandemic and more. Here is Elvis's granddaughter, Riley Kehoe, now known not instead of being the king of rock and roll's granddaughter, but instead making her own journey into acting and doing a good job. And then she's in this new film called Zola that is out. Here's Riley Keogh. I was so happy to be here. And there was a part of me, you know, before we kind of knew the severity of how the pandemic was going to play out, where we were at home thinking, you know, I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks. And it's kind of like a nice break and a reset. And I get to, you know, spend time at home for the first time in a few years. And then as the months went by, I just started, you know, I was just like, I, I definitely got to the point where I was like, you know, definitely looking on Redfin, didn't love my house anymore. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, still, I don't know. We're still looking. We're but, looking but you definitely, it. you still love the husband. Obviously, you still love. Yeah. Similar, similar situation. Well, no, 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 no. Like, what, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so three weeks in, I was like, love the husband. Um, a couple months later, you know, you're on Redfin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, give my best, please. Uh, I, I, I wanted to uh, ask you about this because Lady Gaga, uh, they're, they're about to release this. Uh, anniversary of a uh, 10th anniversary of born this way and yeah. uh i know and it's all reimagined versions of the songs and you're on it and i am and, you and i don't know how it happened it was so random no lady gaga surely didn't ask me so it what? was it was a totally well, random situation it's a country version of born this way which i yes. cannot so explain this to me and how did you get involved so Orville Peck, uh, he did a cover, which oh, yeah. is amazing. And my best friend's husband was producing the song and randomly one day just texted me and was like, can you just sing background vocals on this random song I'm doing? I had no context, no idea what it was. So I just went in there and did like the background for Orville for Born This Way. And then I, you know, I didn't know it was this like huge thing that um, oh, yeah. Lady Gaga was releasing in the 10 year anniversary. So I was very you know, excited to be a part of it. And, and you, did you know you could sing? I mean, you could. Well, I, I mean, so, okay, it, that's yeah. a weird thing. I, I didn't. I, I kind of like, I grew up singing quietly, like with other people when there was a guitar around, but I never had really tried to sing. Uh, can you tell everyone who your, who your grandfather is? Well, my grandfather's Elvis. <laughs> so your grandfather's it's Elvis. A little bit I know, but that's got, why that, I asked you. That's why I asked you, like, do you know you can sing? Well, apparently that's what Lady Gaga said. Some Somebody said, oh, Riley's singing on the back of Orville's um, uh, cover of Born This Way, and she just realized, or she just learned to sing, and I, apparently she said something like, oh, Elvis's granddaughter didn't know she could sing or something. Like, yeah, it's in the genes. Good point. Yeah, no, Good you point, know. Gaga. All right, that was Riley Kehoe, the granddaughter of this fellow singing in the background. And she was not on Jimmy Kimmel. She was on Jimmy Fallon. My apologies. The Tonight Show, she made an appearance this week again, promoting her new film that is out this week. Check it out. This talented 
California Rays, but got them Mississippi and Tennessee roots. Zola is the latest effort from Riley Kehoe. This is the Y'all Show. We're going to continue the entertainment fun after the break. Stay tuned. We're going to let you know all about country music hit maker of yesteryear. Rockabilly singer Wanda Jackson is putting out her last album. I'll let you know about Wanda Jackson, and I'll tell you some news about Alan Jackson. That's ahead as we look at all things country music after this break. EP, take us to break, sir. It's like a ball of twine on a spool that never ends. That's what I think I know. I'm in the middle of a heartache Half out, half in Not quite out of love with you Not too much in love with him I'm in the middle of a heartbreak Halfway, half blue Can't give all my love to him When I'm still in love with you The queen of rockabilly here on the Y'all Show, Wanda Jackson. Wanda Jackson, born in Mauld, Oklahoma in 1937. She's now 83 years young. And back in the 1950s and 1960s, she was one of those early pioneers of rockabilly music country music as well had some big hits in fact that song you're hearing right now in the middle of a heartache was from 1960 and that was the highest charting song from the black haired hit maker wanda jackson Hmm, good stuff let me turn this up Woo! still guitar and all (laughs) that good old sound on the y'all show She's also known as the First Lady of Rockabilly. She mixed country music with this rockabilly style made famous by people like Carl Perkins. Just when I think I have forgotten you The memory of your love grows dim That old pain starts again of wanting you More than I ever wanted him I'm in the middle of a heartache Part old, part new And you know that if she was a hit maker back in the 50s, she probably ran into a guy named Elvis, and sure enough, Wanda Jackson dated Elvis Presley while on tour with him in 1955. She ended up marrying a guy that worked for IBM, a smart move. Wendell Goodman married him in 61, and then he died in 2017 they were married all those years they had two children she lives in oklahoma city wanda jackson retired from touring a couple of years ago but she's in the news this week the queen of rockabilly because it has just been announced that wanda jackson's final album is going to be unveiled soon encore and in encore you'll have angelina presley of pistol annie's ellie king joan jett and more will join this icon of music, Wanda Jackson, for Encore, Wanda's 32nd and final studio album. It's coming out August 20th. The 83-year-old singer and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member 
that recorded and was working alongside people like Roy Clark, Buck Owens, and Elvis. Going to have this last album coming out in August. Encore. Jet appears on the tracks Treat Me Like a Lady and Two Shots. L. King's on there and more. It ought to be pretty, pretty fun. Back in August 2019, Wanda Jackson said of working with Jet that she'd never done a show with her or anything, but that, that she'd made a trip from Oklahoma to New York City to meet her. And then they decided to get the ball rolling, according to Wanda Jackson. But now, again, Pistol Andy, remember Angelina Presley, Joan Jett, and others teaming up with the rockabilly lady Wanda Jackson for her final album, her 32nd record, Encore, coming out in August. How about that? Let's tell you about another Jackson, Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson, country music superstar, has just raised $2 million for the tornado-damaged hometown of his, Noonan, Georgia, as the country music hitmaker saying it takes a lot to put on a show this big, and we really are grateful to all the help that came. And back in March, Noonan was ravaged by tornadoes, about 1,700 homes destroyed, $75 million of damage there in Coweta County, Georgia. And Alan Jackson returning the other day to have a day-long concert at the Coweta County Fairgrounds, $2 million raised. Jackson, with a crowd of 20,000 there at the Coweta County Fairgrounds, saying it's good to be back down here in my hometown of Noonan. I'm from Noonan. My wife, Denise, is from Noonan. We were both born and raised here, and all of our childhood and young adult memories came from this area. When we saw what that tornado did coming through here a few months ago, it broke my heart. It broke Denise's heart. We had relatives affected by it and friends. The high school that we went to got hit. I was hoping we'd be able to do something to try and help down here, and it's just been amazing how this community came together to make this happen. He was joined at the concert by country music hit maker Chris Young, and another Georgian joined him, Kaylee Hammock, all joining Alan Jackson for this homecoming benefit concert that raised $2 million in Noonan over the last couple of days. Vince Gill is helping out. He is donating Roy Acuff's prized fiddle to the Country Music Hall of Fame. How did this thing not get in the possession of Marty Stewart, you have to ask? The prized fiddle of Roy Acuff, Grand Ole Opry star, and it's going into the Museum Country Music Hall of Fame's permanent collection that includes Maybell Carter's 1928 Gibson L5 guitar and Bill Monroe, Father Bluegrass, his 1923 Gibson FF mandolin. The beloved fiddle of Roy Acuff was given to Acuff by soldiers during a time of war because of how much he meant to them. He meant a lot to me, too, Vince Gill said of Roy Acuff. I think Roy Acuff might have been the one that inducted Vince Gill into the Grand Ole Opry. Vince Gill just acquired this fiddle earlier this year, and it's going to be made immediately available for display. So, How about Vince Gill doing something kind of cool, kind of nice? Now, I I mentioned Marty Stewart. Marty has a incredible, he he probably has more items, frankly, uh, in his collection than even the Country Music Hall of Fame. He has done amazing work to preserve history, not just country music, but more than just music. Just, I mean, 
look him up if you haven't had a chance. Marty Stewart, what he's been able to do. Blake Shelton was back in his Tishmingo hometown, and he decided to go out and have a good time. He visited his own club, the Old Red Bar in Tishmingo, and while there, he saw the cover band Blake Nation, a cover band that plays Blake Shelton's music. So what did Blake Shelton do? He went into Old Red Tishomingo and surprised them all. The band founded in 2017. It's a Blake Shelton cover band. Even the lead singer kind of looks like Blake Shelton. Blake went up on stage, spent time with the group, stayed for the Axe Sold Out concert. Afterwards, he said, I like it when y'all play my music. It actually sounds like it should. Blake Shelton. How about going in and seeing a cover band of yourself? That, that that's got to be kind of cool and kind of creepy at the same same time, don't you think? I would say so. Cody Johnson has been put on a three-week vocal rest, country music singer. He played this past weekend in Fort Worth and in Oklahoma City, giving fans a very, very good concert. However, he's been forced to take a brief three-week break due to being put on vocal rest. He recently put out to his Kojo Nation fan base a message on social media about how, unfortunately, his ENT doctor of eight years has put him on this rest. He says he hopes it's an isolated incident, but right now there's no concern about long-term damage. Cody Johnson, who's had a few hits through the last couple of years and now silenced, we hope it's a temporary silence. Lauren Elena, the North Georgia singer, she and others are going to get ready to set a book release for her, her first book, November 2nd. Getting Good at Being You is the release date for this country singer. It's coming out again November 2nd. Getting Good at Being You, Learning to Love Who God Made You to Be. And Lauren on social media saying, be sure to book your calendars for November 2nd. I'm releasing my right, W-R-I-T-E, of passage, Getting Good at Being You. Can't wait for you to read it. It's available for pre-order online everywhere books are sold and on shelves in November Thank you times a million to Trisha Wood for writing the forward. Lauren Elena getting to the book world November 2nd. You can pick up this singer's book out. Getting good at being you. Way to go, Lauren Elena. Something that a lot of people say they're going to do, and she's doing it, putting a book out in addition to her music that's available to listen to. That wraps up our country music news of this Thursday Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this second hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. Kobe Bennett has a Southern accent on Southern business. That's ahead on the show that's all about the South. If you want to get involved, our number, 803-816-1170. Just give us an old text at your leisure. We'll be right back, y'all. Southern Accent. Here's the Business South update from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. With Independence Day kicking off soon, get ready for the arrival of fireworks. But don't expect too much bang for your buck, as an increased demand for fireworks might not be meeting the supply needs. Here's a report from Fox 2 St. Louis. Well, Blair Hope organizers already bought their fireworks because the industry could face a worldwide shortage this summer. Warehouses are running very low. Sales were at a record high during the pandemic. There have also been shipping issues and production costs in Asia skyrocketed. Experts say customers could pay up to 30% more this year. 
the people who wait until July 1st or 2nd, they might be pretty disappointed when they walk into the stores. So the booms may be a bit more hushed come this 4th of July. Business news headlines and more at y'all.com. Say it ain't so, Kobe. We don't want to hear that. We want to have fireworks aplenty. But I haven't been out to one of those roadside places that you see scattered along Dixie's highways in the last couple of days. Hopefully they have plenty of those fun things ready for you. Just everybody be safe out there. Don't lose a couple of fingers. And enjoy 4th of July 2021. We've got another hour of the Y'all Show for you to enjoy. It'll be a real boom. And we're going to set this Roman candle ablaze after this break. You're listening to the show all about the South. Stay tuned. Back into another 60 Minutes of Southern Greatness. I'm John Rawl. General John Rawl CSA is my name, certified Southern American. And we're glad that you could tune in. If you want to email us, our email address is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. If you want to text us, easy to do that, 803-816-1170. Got a tropical storm brewing. I'll let you know about that here this hour. Also in our headlines of the Southeast on this Thursday, y'all show, working our way to the 4th of July. I'm going to also let you know a story out of Texas about how an Atari game got donated to a Goodwill store there in North Texas. That Atari game fetched more than $10,000 at auction. The 1982 game Air Raid. Woo! I need to go look at my attic real soon. What am I talking about? I don't even have an attic. Also, I'll let you know about in Mississippi, a plumbing company has issued a bolo. Be on the lookout for a stolen porta john. Are porta johns that valuable? Evidently so in Mississippi. And y'all, this is this is an important story. Don't be stealing porta johns. I'll let you know about that one as we have our headlines from across the southeast here on on this Thursday y'all show. Also, we will let you know in this third hour of the Y'all Show about America's best barbecue cities. Lawn Starter has come out with a list. And get your pen and paper ready to write down, or should we say jot down, America's best barbecue cities. And please don't take it up with me if you have an issue with it. It's the list from Lone Starter. I'm just the messenger. But maybe, just maybe, your favorite barbecue city is right there at number one. I'll tell you who is number one when we get to that next segment of today's Y'all Show. Before the hour's up, I've also got a breakdown of some great festivals taking place this red, white, and blue weekend. That's coming up in our Festive South feature. We start off this third hour with a look at Southern sports. And the big news from the NCAA on Thursday was NIL. NIL. That's something else for you to jot down. What in the world is NIL? That is this whole new rigmarole of name, image, and likeness. And now every NCAA athlete in America will be able to make money from endorsements and through a variety of other ventures starting today, July 1st. 2021, 
If you're a college athlete, you can make money off of your name, image, and your likeness. Hmm. That ain't right, in my opinion. It's not right, as I mentioned before. It's not right because it's not really fair. But who said life was fair, right? The new rules of the NCAA represent a major shift in how the organization defines amateurism. And this shift allows NCAA leaders who once previously believed that it was antithetical to the nature of college sports for college athletes to get paid, and now they're getting paid for their name, image, likeness. And I guess there's no limit to what they can be paid. So let's go to, I'm trying to think, who is the most heralded college athlete right now who's still going to be a college athlete in 2021? Well, I'll just throw this name out there because I just saw where this guy got named to maybe a first-team All-America for our first-team All-SEC. Let's see if he's got anything starting today on his Twitter account. Matt Corral is the Landshark quarterback and one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC for 2021. Let's see if he's got any kind of thing going on here today. It looks like his Twitter account is at Corral underscore Matt. Hmm. Looking, looking, looking. He's got a retweet from Johnny Manziel. He just posted this 46 minutes ago. Set up a business, create Shopify account, design merchandise with fulfillment to ship and handle customer service. Make bank bros. That's what Johnny Manziel is saying today to his fellow athletes. And Matt Corral has tweeted this out today, 46 minutes ago. So, yeah, it's Independence Day for college athletes. By the way, Matt Corral has also retweeted at Ole Miss football on social media. as They have an image of Lane Kiffin's daddy, Monty, and it's a retweet from Ian Rappaport. The Bucks, as in Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will induct former defensive coordinator Monty Kiffin into their Ring of Honor, a ceremony that will take place at halftime of the Bucks Falcons game on Sunday, September 19th. So, news there from the NFL. But yeah, sure enough, you're going to see at least players on their official, official personal accounts, like in this case, Matt Corral. Pimping themselves out. Johnny Manziel's ask is pretty much helping them out. Johnny Manziel, make bank, bros. Imagine if Johnny Manziel had the NIL going when he was a college athlete. This guy would have made more money than he would have with the Cleveland Browns. And he's telling people to go set up a Shopify account where you can design merch with fulfillment to ship and handle customer service. And Johnny says you can tweet or Instagram directly to your fan base through Shopify. I wonder if Johnny Manziel's on Shopify's payroll. If if he's not, he ought to be Johnny Manziel with 1.9 million followers. By the way, Matt Corral better step up his Twitter game. He's only got 21,000 followers. That's just one athlete. Let me see who – let's see. I'm trying to think maybe of an ACC – Clemson's quarterback this year is going to be the kid that played a couple of games 
in 2021, the one that has a pretty hard name <laughs> for me to pronounce. DJ Ugalele, there's his name. I would say he's one of the stars quarterback-wise for this football season. Let's see what DJ has, if anything, different today than he would have had, let's say, on Wednesday before this new rule went into effect. He, like Matt Corral, is also a Californian. He's from Inland Empire, California. And, hmm, looking, looking, looking. I don't see any endorsements quite yet from DJ's account. He's he's saying stuff about the NBA. DJ Ugalele, I never knew there was this many Clipper fans. Where you guys all come from? <laughs> uh, DJ, you don't have to worry about those Clipper fans if they if they were as you're from there in Inland Empire, California. They're gone. They gone. As the Clippers are out of the NBA playoffs, but yes. That's just two of our big quarterbacks going into 2021, and they can now make money, according to the NCAA, off of NIL. Name, image, likeness. Make money, bro. That's what Johnny Manziel's out here telling them. I'll tell you who might be making money as of today in the state of Mississippi. That's the Mississippi State baseball team. They just won the College World Series. And before the clock struck midnight on July 1st, they won that. And now that it's July 1st, they can make money, bro. MSU, Diamond Dogs. They can go all over Mississippi. They can go to the Delta. They can get up there on a John Deere tractor, painted in maroon, and do an endorsement. Because that's what the rules are. Because they're national champions. Mississippi State defeats Vanderbilt. 9-0 to in Game 3 of the College World Series Finals on Wednesday in Omaha. Mississippi State Baseball, the first team sport on the Starkville campus to win a national championship. And the SEC, I think this was the SEC's eighth school to win a national championship in some kind of sport here this academic year, a fantastic year. And some schools like Kentucky have won two national championships in the same year. Kentucky winning in volleyball, and I think they won it in swimming. Where's our Kentucky insider when you need him? And then, of course, Alabama. <laughs> oh, here he comes. Oh, rifle. They didn't win it. Did They, they won it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Kentucky won it in volleyball and rifle. How did they do in swimming? Uh, won the SEC women's swimming and diving title in, in, uh, for the first time ever in school history. But not NCAA? Not NCAA. <sighs> Who won that? Who cares? Okay. All right. Well, sorry about that. Our handy Kentucky insider when you need him. But it was a pretty good year for the FCC. But we're not here to talk about the SEC. We're here to talk about sports in general. Mississippi State, as we profiled in our first hour of today's Y'all Show, they win the national championship. NC State also can hold their head up high. We declared them a national championship here this week. So we got two champions in college baseball. And way to go here to the most recent crowned champion, Mississippi State winning in Omaha this week. We haven't crowned an NBA champion yet, but we're getting mighty close. In fact, we know that there's a 50% chance it might be the Phoenix Suns because the Suns have clinched a spot in the NBA Finals. They destroyed the L.A. Clippers. DJ Ulele of Clemson, you ought to be happy. 130-103, to the Suns over the Clippers 
in the Game 6 matchup there at Staples. Phoenix goes on to the NBA Finals first time since 1993. Chris Paul, fresh off of sitting on the bench because of whatever he had going on. Did he have COVID? I think he got tested for COVID positive or something like that. Chris Paul, CP3, 41 points as Phoenix moves on to the NBA Finals. A fantastic job there by the Valley. The NBA here on this first day of July, TNT will broadcast starting at 8.30. The Hawks and Bucks from Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee. This is Game 5. It's a series currently knotted up at two games apiece. Winner of this series will go on to take on the aforementioned Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. On the Major League Diamond, what's taking place here on this first day of July? You'll have a businessman special in the Bronx. Yankees and Angels with the early 105 start. Also, businessman special in Buffalo. As there, the Blue Jays will have the Mariners in for an early afternoon game. Early afternoon game also, Red Sox and Royals. Early afternoon game, Sox of Chicago and the Twins. Mid-afternoon game in Oakland, the A's and Rangers. And then this evening's games, the Phils and the Marlins. Dodgers will be at Nationals Park to take on the Nationals. Brewers and Pirates along the Monongahela. Houston will be taking on the Indians, Padres, and Reds. Mets and Braves continue their series at Truist Park. Cardinals and Rockies from Coors Field this evening. And the Giants and D-backs getting together also here on this first day of July. That's a quick look at what's going on in sports. When the Y'all Show comes back, well, no, hold on, hold on. I told y'all this, and I cannot tell a lie. I am just like that guy, George. I cannot tell a lie. I got to talk about a little SEC football before we get out of here on our sports report. (laughs) See, not going to let that one slip by. We are going to hear about the SEC East, courtesy of the SEC Network's Peter Burns. He's joined by Chris Doring, former Florida Gator, and former Auburn coach and former Florida Gator player, Gene Chiswick. They were on talking about SEC football this week. And we should have squeezed this in in hour one. We ran out of time. So I told y'all we would let you hear what these three amigos are saying about SEC East football in 2021. And let's hear it now, courtesy of the SEC Network. I love the setup now with the college football playoff. The idea is you're going to win the you're going to win the SEC championship. You're going to be into the college football playoff. That gives you a little more margin for error to test yourself. We know how much resumes mean to the college football playoff committee. This is the ultimate resume bulldog. So I really don't see that this as being a, a win lose situation. To me, it's a win win situation for all the reasons that you meant. And the fact that there's an opportunity for some margin for error as long as you go into the conference schedule and in that season with the confetti there in Atlanta. You talk about the quarterback battle is going to be monster between JT Daniels announcing he's coming back, Trevor Lawrence off to the NFL, DJ Uwa which get ready to say his name. We're going to be saying that a lot, CD. Um, right now, this feels like the, the litmus test for Georgia in a season where everybody's losing so much that they could really make a mark right off the bat. It almost feels to me like it's a little bit like Texas A&M was last year, right? Everybody 
saw the re- the roster that was coming back for the Aggies. Everybody felt like the schedule was going to be more manageable. I think you can look at it. Obviously, this is a tough test for the Bulldogs. But the way they finished last season, the insertion of JT Daniels into that offense, the way that things opened up with the receivers becoming rejuvenated and re-energized as a part of this offense has me really excited. And Chiz, I know the most important thing that we're not talking about is not an offensive returner. It's a defensive returner, Jordan Davis returning as maybe the most unsung player, uh, PB, on that entire roster. He'll be a big part of building that, that Georgia defense back up. Looking to see Todd Monk in his second year with a full spring, hopefully, as well. All right, how about Alabama and Miami, Chiz? We're trying to figure out a whole bevy of new players for Alabama, but maybe more importantly, new coaches taking on Manny Diaz's Hurricanes. Yeah, Bill O'Brien obviously being the new offensive coordinator. What's this offense going to look like? It's going to be very interesting. Oh, yeah, by the way, Mac Jones isn't going to be the quarterback either. So what will Bryce Young look like? How will they work him into this offense? You're going to see a lot of new names on the offensive line. And make no mistake about it, when Miami's hitting on offense with De'Aaron King, they put up 52 against Florida State. And you can say Florida State wasn't great, but they always got a lot of very good athletes defensively. I'm looking forward to that matchup. Uh, CD, I'm already looking forward to telling you that you cannot go to LSU at UCLA. I know you've already put in the vacation request, but what do you think about that matchup, LSU going west for the first time since 2009? Well, obviously, it's going to be a great trip for those LSU fans, getting a chance to get back on the road to support their team, going to the Rose Bowl where SEC teams don't get an opportunity to play much. But how about the suspense that we're going to be under leading up to the first game about who the quarterback will be? Miles Brennan will uh, return from his injury. T.J. Finley and Max Johnson both got great experience as true freshmen this season. So that'll be one of the storylines that we follow as we head out to Pasadena. First meeting ever between the Tigers and the Bruins. All right, that from the SEC Network, that was Peter Burns, who does a fantastic job there, the Baton Rouge native, joined by former Florida Gator wideout Chris Doring, and also another former Gator, some kind of position, Gene Chizik. I do know what he did on the sideline. He was Auburn's coach of a national championship in 2010. Those three talking about not only SEC East football, but specifically some of those game matchups for week one of the college football season and it will be here now two months away from the start of college football and they were talking about that LSU matchup in Pasadena taking on UCLA I'm not sure that we know who LSU's quarterback is going to be and if you've been following the news I'm not sure Ed Orgeron is going to be the coach of LSU for that first game there's some real scary stuff going on within the LSU program and there's no guarantee that he Mr. Cocho Ooh, Coach O, yo, 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 is going to be sideline coaching that one. Ooh, scary stuff there from LSU if you're a Tiger fan. That wraps up our Southern Sports Update here for Hour 3. When we come back, we're going to tell you about America's best barbecue cities. Are you on the list, Lexington, North Carolina? Are you on the list, Memphis, Tennessee? How about Decatur, Alabama? Is it on the list? I'll tell you about all of them. As we look at this report from Lawn Starter, it's up next on the Y'all Show. Some good to eat. 
Tina's here helping us get through the Y'all Show Thursday edition. Oh, love me some Memphis food. You know, Memphis has more than just fried chicken, T. Graham Brown. They're also a good place to get something called barbecue. Here on the Y'all Show, we're going to go down to an article that's up courtesy of Lone Starter. It's an article about America's best barbecue cities. Where's Memphis on this list? Hmm, got to know. Lawn Starter is an Austin, Texas-based lawn care concierge service, and it has ranked a total of 199 American cities based on three sets of criteria, including access to barbecue, the quality of local barbecue, and the prevalence of barbecue-based events and festivals. Points awarded to each metro area based on 14 weighted metrics for a maximum total of 100 points. This sounds pretty scientific. I just have to know the answer to the question, what does a lawn care concierge service have to do with raiding barbecue cities? I don't know, but let's dive into the findings and find out which of our southern cities are among America's best barbecue cities in this lawn care heavy research of 199 cities. I can't tell you beyond the top 20, okay? That's evidently reserved information that you'll have to go to lawnstarter.com to find out that whole list. Maybe I can tell you if I click on this link here. Let's see here. 200 and, I mean, 200 cities? That's what they got here. All right, so the worst city, according to them in America, for barbecue is Aurora, Illinois. Don't let me go to Aurora. 199 there. How about Amarillo, Texas at 197? Columbus, Georgia. Sorry, Columbus. They've got Columbus at 196 on this list. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. All right, let's move on here on the Y'all Show to tell you about maybe some of the top 20 of America's best barbecue cities. That way we'll put a positive spin for all of you, okay? Your number 20 city in the country for barbecue, according to this Lawn Starter article, Raleigh, North Carolina, the capital city of the Tar Heel State, your 20th best city for barbecue, 19th someplace in California, 18th is the capital city of the Lone Star State, Austin checking in at 18 on the best barbecue cities of the country. <sighs> I know it's the hometown of one of our presidents, but 
Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is it 17? Come on, man. Come on. Number 16 is Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Number 15, Omaha. I know they have baseball there. I didn't know they had good barbecue. L.A. is at 14. I've already got some real questions about this lawn starter research. 13 is Denver. Number 12, the capital city of Virginia. Richmond checks in as the 12th best barbecue city in America, according to Lone Starter. That's L-A-W-N, by the way. Lone Starter. Lone Starter. Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, is a capital of barbecue, according to this. It's at number 11. Overland Park, Kansas, in the Kansas City area, checks in at number 10. Minneapolis is at 9. What? If you think that one's weird, number 8 is New York, the one in New York. It is number 8 for best barbecue cities. Tell me, and I'm I'm just trying to be open here, I believe in diversity, Y'all, 803-816-1170, tell me where to go in New York City to get some good barbecue. I would love to know because New York checks in at number eight on this list. Number seven, this makes a little bit more sense, St. Louis, Missouri, the seventh best barbecue city according to this lawnstarter.com. If St. Louis is seven, I wonder where that other city in the Show Me State's located. Louisville's at number six. Memphis. Memphis women and chicken. Memphis barbecue makes it the fifth best barbecue city in the country, according to this article. Number four, Cincinnati. Now, I'm a frequent visitor of the Queen City. I have been there. I have eaten pizza at La Rosa's. Yummy. I have gone to town on Skyline Chili. I love Gold Star Chili better. I love Five Way Chili in Cincinnati, Ohio. I have never had good barbecue in Cincinnati. I don't know where they're getting this research at Lone Star, but Cincinnati is at four on the best barbecue cities. Number three is Houston, Texas, not the one in Mississippi. And we will let you know all about that. Number two is Chicago, Illinois. Chicago is the second best city for barbecue. Pizza, deep dish, you betcha there, Chicago. But now it's known for barbecue. And just like New York, hey, everybody, mail at y'all.com. Or text 803-816-1170. I want to know where to get barbecue in the Windy City. The number one city, again, according to Lawn Starter, L-A-W-N-S-T-A-R-T-E-R, the number one city in the whole country for barbecue. This one, again, makes a little bit of sense. Is Kansas City, Missouri. It got 60 points on this scale of how they came up with this stuff. Its closest competitor was Chicago at number two. Chicago had 46, so it had 14 more points on their scale of weighing all the metrics that they used. 
the three sets of criteria, including access to barbecue, the quality of local barbecue, and the prevalence of barbecue-based events and festivals. Kansas City, the barbecue capital of the good old U.S. of A. Mm. All right. There you have it. And again, that comes to us from Lawn Starter. And we got some breaking food news from the South that I'll tell you about. And it comes to us from Greenville, Mississippi. Greenville, Mississippi. If you, This place here doesn't have barbecue. It's got steaks. And it's got spaghetti. And it's got incredible tamales. Delta-style tamales. Doe's Eat Place, according to WNWS.com, and it's inside journalists, their gumshoe reporter David Thomas at WNWS.com, Doe's Eat Place will expand to Jackson, Tennessee. They're going inside the historic Greyhound bus station in downtown Jackson. How about that? This bus station built in 1938. If you've ever been there and seen it, it is incredible what has gone on there in Jackson. And now the owner of Doe's Eat Place, Paul Signa, is going to operate a Doe's Eat Place inside the Greyhound Terminal, the old bus station, in downtown Jackson Street on Main Street. Two incredible southern cities coming together. How about that? I have not dined at the one in Greenville before, but I have eaten at Doe's Eat Place when it was once in Oxford, Mississippi. They had a location there, and they've had them in a few other cities. But my fun story I like to tell about Doe's Eat Place is I used Doe's and their famous Mississippi Delta tamales to land an interview with one of the South's great authors, Shelby Foote. I used Doe's tamales to convince him to let me come and do an interview with him at his house in Memphis before he passed away. And they have incredible tamales, one of my favorite things in the world. And y'all, I might just start living in the Greyhound bus station in Jackson, Tennessee. <laughs> Not the one in Mississippi, the other Jackson, the one in Tennessee is where Doe's Eat Place is going to be set up now. You can go read all about it at WNWS.com. That's the best news I've heard all month. Yeah, I know it's the first day of July, but that's that's great news. I cannot wait for that. One of my favorite things was to go into Doe's and have me a plate of spaghetti and their big meatball and some tamales. Woo! That was awesome, and that's going to be awesome again when I'm there at the Greyhound bus station. Thanks to David Thomas WNWS.com. Go check that out. When we come back, we've got some other headlines across the South that we're going to get to, including a, a story out of the Magnolia State. It had to do with stealing a port john What? We'll tell you all about it.
just got a few minutes left here in this final hour of the Thursday Y'all Show. Let me bring you up to speed on Tropical Storm Elsa. That is the fifth named storm thus far in the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season. And this is the earliest fifth named storm on record, beating out last year's Eduardo, which formed on July 6th. Tropical Storm Elsa with sustained winds of 40 miles per hour. Wind gusts a little bit higher. It's currently located about 800 miles east southwest, southeast of the Windward Islands, according to the National Hurricane Center. And so that is something to keep an eye on over these next few days. Still early in the process, but we already have our fifth named storm of 2021 with Elsa, E-L-S-A, that to be on the lookout for over the holiday weekend. Now to North Texas, an Atari game that's been donated to a local Goodwill store has fetched more than $10,000 at auction. Did you have an Atari game back in the 80s? Well, go you better go look right now and see if you got this one somewhere in your attic. Air Raid. That was for an Atari 2600. It's not the, the console that sold for over $10,000. It was the actual game, the thing you inserted into the Atari 2600 Air Raid fetching over $10,000 at auction. A Goodwill North Central Texas e-commerce processor was sorting through bins of items when they came across Air Raid. And this person said it caught his attention because it didn't look like any of the other games. He says all the other games are usually black and have a sticker with a title on it. This one didn't have a title on it, and it was blue and had a handle. So different. So different that it ended up getting, again, $10,000. I don't even know if it it even plays. The 1982 game in which players control an airship to defend a city is pretty rare. Only 13 known copies of this 1982 Atari game are known to be in existence. It looks pretty neat. It has like a thing you insert the cartridge, but it's got a little handle, blue handle on the end. Yeah, I would say it's definitely different and again it sold for over ten thousand dollars when someone bought this game that i'm not even sure plays makes you think twice about video games when you can see that kind of value that someone just donated at a goodwill store around fort worth and now it shows up here with this kind of price tag attached to it don't know how much you're willing to pay for a portable toilet but at least one mississippi plumbing company has issued a be on the lookout for one of their stolen portable toilets. ABC Plumbing and Septic Service. They're in Marshall County, Holly Springs, Mississippi, and they're dealing with a real mess after one of their portable bathrooms stolen from a work site earlier this month. Portable bathrooms go to a variety of sites and live events, but they always usually go to where they're needed, providing an essential service. Who in the world would steal a portable toilet? Well, somebody did there in Marshall County. This company is a family-owned company, ABC Plumbing and Septic Service, and they provide portable bathroom units for a company installing high-speed broadband Internet while doing routine checks at their Highway 309 location. What they were shocked to find is what they didn't find, one of their portable toilets there. And they've got a $300 reward for this beautiful green portable toilet, a porta john, if you will, stolen 
from the southeast corner of Mariana Road and Highway 309 South. Information lead, information leading to the location where they can retrieve it will also, the person will be eligible for the $300. After this, we are installing tracking devices according to ABC Plumbing and Septic Services. By the way, portable restrooms weigh at least 100 pounds. It's very obvious what they are. Who in their right mind would go out trying to steal these little havens, if you will? <laughs> uh, these things cost $600 brand new, by the way, if you were to go try to buy a brand new one. The company says they're not interested in pressing charges on the toilet thief. One of the owners saying, I mean, seriously, come to me, call me. I'll pick it up or put it back at the site. You know where you took it from. Information, you can call the Marshall County Sheriff's Office in Mississippi, 662-571-7851 is the number from Marshall County, Mississippi. Portable toilet thieves, who would have thought? That's about as dumb as we wrap up here on the Y'all Show on this Thursday about me seeing for the second time in two days... Idiots that ought to be locked inside one of these portable toilets at least for about five minutes on a nice hot day to maybe shake some sense into them. I am tired of seeing grown men with their pants pulled down to their knees walking down the street like it's a cool thing. It's bad enough I see the youngsters doing it, but in the last 24 hours I have seen grown men that are at least 55 years old walking down the street with the pants hanging around their ankles. And I get to see their underwear. It's disgusting. And I'm a guy. (laughs) I'm a guy. But this stuff is, quote, in your face. And it's ridiculous. And when I saw the latest chapter, a guy that looked like he was pushing 70 with the pants coming down, I thought, I have got to call him out. That is ridiculous. And I'll tell you, I'm a guy who's had a problem with my pants staying up in the last month. My belt, my family dollar belt that i bought for about seven dollars it it broke on you on me can you believe a family dollar belt would break well it did break on me one day and so for the couple hours there i had to go around with my hand in my pocket like i was i guess putting my hand in my pocket looking like a real idiot but i was only doing that to keep my pants up i couldn't wait to get me a replacement belt and i did so if you're that hard up and you got your pants falling down, and I'm seeing your underoos. I'll go to Family Dollar and get you an eight dollar belt, just so I don't have to see that. And you'll also help the community out by not letting everybody see your underoos on public display. There's no excuse. I wish this whole trend of showing off underwear would go away and go away soon. Okay, enough of my preaching here, as we're concluding this show. We'll come right back. I got a handful of great festivals to tell you about going on this weekend. As we celebrate the nation's independence, you can also get out to some fantastic celebrations around Dixie. I'll tell you what that what what's going on when we come back on Talk with a Southern Accent. When I stray 
We hope you make tracks around the southeast. It is a fantastic 4th of July weekend that is upon us and here at the Y'all Show. We want to spotlight here as we wrap up this edition of the show all about the South. Some of our great events going on besides the firecrackers and the food and fellowship of the Independence Weekend. We want to tell you about a couple of festivals and events going on here as we wrap things up. In Atlanta this weekend at the OAK Atlanta, that's at 30 Ivanala Jr. Boulevard. This weekend it's the Atlanta Comedy Festival, and it's Saturday, late Saturday. So if you want to have some good laughs, you can go check out the Atlanta Comedy Festival, starring comedians as seen on Def Comedy Jam, Comedy Central, BET, and more. In fact, complimentary admission with an e-ticket text vip pass or printed rsvp if you go there maurice sims production presents the atlanta comedy festival and that is this weekend in the peach state capital city that looks like it could be pretty darn fun this weekend Hot Springs Village, Arkansas this weekend at Stars and Stripes 4th of July celebration. That's taking place at Balboa Beach Private. That's on Ponce de Leon Drive in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The Stars and Stripes 4th of July celebration here on this Independence Weekend. In New Orleans, it's the Essence Music Festival. That's at City Park. This is a big, big event. Usually, MSNBC sets up shop there, I think outside of the Superdome, and has coverage of this Essence Music Festival this weekend at City Park. This is a four-day event. It lasts from today until Sunday with a lot of performances, political figures, and more. It's going to be in the Big Easy this weekend, the Essence Music Festival. Pascagoula, Mississippi, home of the squirrel this weekend. It's the home of the 2021 The Peach Music Festival. This is at Scranton's Restaurant and Catering, 623 Delmas Avenue in Pascagoula. This takes place just like the Essence Music Festival. This one takes place from today until Sunday right there in Jimmy Buffett's hometown of Pascagoula in Mississippi. Jackson, no, Let's see. Hancock. It's Jack. And I was right. It's Jackson County. There's three coast counties. Hancock, Harrison, and then Jackson is Pascagoula. Hancock would be over there at Bay St. Louis. So my apologies, all you 228 people, for me temporarily mixing up what county Pascagoula. Also the home of Ocean Springs is Pascagoula in Mississippi. This weekend in Houston, it's the Texas food fest 
That's in downtown Houston at Stella Link Road at The Zone. And that's on Sunday, as you'll find, the Texas Food Fest in the Bayou City of Houston, Texas. This weekend in Savannah, Tennessee, it's the 43rd annual Savannah Bluegrass Festival. We just played a little bluegrass music to get this thing started. And in Savannah right there on the Tennessee River, you've got at the Savannah Market Friday and Saturday, the 43rd annual Savannah Bluegrass Festival. That's pretty impressive. 43 years of banjos and guitar picking and good old fellowship in Hardin County, Tennessee. Check that out. This weekend in the capital city of Oklahoma at Bricktown in OKC, it's the 4th of July in Bricktown, and this is on Sunday, which is actually July 4th this year. This will be right when the sun's going down in Oklahoma's capital city. It's 4th of July in Bricktown taking place on Sunday, July 4th. A place that knows a little bit about celebration of the nation's history is the Washington, D.C. area. This weekend at National Harbor, Maryland. That's where you have the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center, about three miles downstream from the nation's capital. There this weekend, lasting from Friday until Monday, it's Harbor Jazz, Wine, and Arts there at Gaylord National Resort in National Harbor, Maryland. Literally a bowling ball's throw from Washington, D.C. So that's some of the fun going on. And there's more stuff going on. We'll get to that more on the Friday Y'all Show. We've run out of time here today, but I promise you we'll tell you about stuff going on in every one of our southern states here on this holiday weekend, the 4th of July. Thank you all for being a part of the fun. We will be right back here Friday. We're going to have Craig Faulkner drop by with his fishing forecast. He's going to be talking about boating safety. This is the busiest weekend to be out on the water this 4th of July weekend. That plus a look at movies and so much more fun on this. The Y'all Show with John Raw. We'll see you Friday.